Okay, good evening. Today is February 6th, and um, we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter and step is the doctor's opinion, and our speaker tonight is Betty S. Thank you, Betty. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you, everybody, for your service. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Monday night, CYOC. This is awesome to see your faces, your smiling faces. I am so grateful to be here, you guys. Oh, I'm going to take a deep breath and call out to my higher power to use me as a messenger only and to bring the news, the good news to those who, who need it. Well, I want to just say that I'm going to, I'd like to um, qualify first and then we'll dig a little bit into the doctor's opinion. And what I'll try to do is tell my story along with the doctor's opinion um, because that's where I came from. That's where I am and that's where I came from and that's where I am. Um, I came into the doors, these doors, 1982. And uh, Yvonne, you know what, let's show the pictures now and I'll, I'll tell a little bit about my story as we go through and then um, continue on with the doctor's opinion. Uh, this is pretty much the history of a compulsive, my compulsive overeating journey in the disease. These are my young pictures where I thought I was morbidly obese. Talk about dysmorphia. Here we are in the fall. But I was binging and I was controlling it. You know, I, I still had control. I dieted, you know, fad diets. Anybody who came along with the diet, I try it. That's basically, basically what was it? The uh, first picture was high school. The second picture was college. And the third picture was actually um, a year after I first came into OA. I had lost a lot of weight. I was in Howe and was absent for two years. And that was my first um, successful, I don't want to call it completely dieting, but it was working the program without working the full program. Uh, but I wanted to just see you to see the chronologic age um, situation here. Okay. And I, and, and through this time, okay, over the years, okay, the next two pictures, the first one with the blonde and is um, years later. And that was my top weight of 253. And I was devastated. I didn't take any pictures in between. I never took pictures. I, I wouldn't take pictures. I was so humiliated by the way I looked because all those years that I thought I was so obese here, the truth came. And I was so perplexed because I wasn't, I didn't know what I was doing wrong. You know, I'm, let me just go through the rest of the pictures and I'll tell you from there on what happened. The next picture um, was probably the same, but this was uh, a few years later. This is my daughter and I, this is, uh, I was out of OA for a while. And um, uh, she got well, and I kept struggling. And this was just a recent picture at Christmas time of she and I today. Um, she and I are both in recovery now. I'm so grateful to say that. Oh my God, what a miracle, two miracles. And okay, next one. Okay, so the top picture on the left is, um, you know, in my journey through with OA, 
I went to retreats. I went to, I went to weekend spas. I went to conventions. Oh my gosh. I went to um, health club programs. I did everything I thought was possible. But the one thing I didn't do is I didn't work the steps completely. I did some of the steps. And I don't think I ever really worked step one, which we'll talk about totally. I just don't think I ever totally accepted that I have an allergy of the body and obsession of the mind. I knew about that obsession because I had committees in my head all the time about food, calling me, calling me, saying my name, you know, going time and time again when I didn't want to back to the food. And the last two pictures I'm showing you because this is today. Oh, by the way, you'll, you'll recognize a couple people in there. I think I forgot one picture. Anyways, um, these last two pictures with my husband and with my cousin. The reason I'm showing you this is because I'm back in life. I am living my life for the first time in a very long time, if ever. And it's Besides being a miracle, and I'll say that many times that it's a miracle, I never knew, I never, ever knew what it meant to be happy. I saw you happy and other people happy. I really didn't know what that meant. And today I have some happy times. I feel happy sometimes. That's not the end all. That's not the end of the road, feeling happy. That's just one small gift in the whole picture. So uh, we can go on. I'm sorry, I thought I forget. I think I forgot one picture. And it was a fellowship from the convention, uh, from the birthday party. Uh, and I'm going to skip ahead to that too. I just want to say that from the birthday party, it solidified that fellowship, how important true fellowship, being honest and open with the fellowship is for me and for my recovery. I not only found friends, I had a lot of friends. I had a lot of friends, I really did. I wasn't bullied, I didn't have, I wasn't mistreated. But I have this disease that worked in my brain and it worked in every aspect of my brain. Every emotionally, emotionally, I was clinically depressed. I isolated, I was so dishonest because I couldn't be honest with anyone. I was had too much shame over this disease. I, this is the funny part. I didn't want anybody to know. Now, at 5'1 and 253 pounds, I wonder if they knew how I got there. Well, I was in denial, so I figured everybody else was too. That wasn't the answer. So with that, um, I want to refer now to the doctor's opinion because the first part of the course, here's the beginning of step one, doctor's opinion, Dr. Silver. He, he, he made it all happen to begin with. Step one, we were powerless over food and our lives have become unmanageable. Our lives are unmanageable. He says in his letter, he's writing this letter and he, he's worked with so many people. I mean, he was a godsend to alcoholics, even though they were, couldn't recover. He was still a godson because they had nowhere to go. They had nowhere to go. I don't even know how they found him, but he was one of few. 
that had any, any type of compassion and service for al alcoholics that were in the gutters, alcoholics that were suicidal, like many of us, when we walk in the door. And he says on, the, on, on page XXV, he talks about in the, the second paragraph of his letter that um, he worked with people that were, they, he regarded as hopeless. My hopelessness came when I walked in the door the first time. I walked in with a, a three-month-old crying baby and a three-year-old son. We were all crying. A woman came up to me and she said, here, let me take the baby. I'll show you where the daycare is. I, and that was my first impression of OA. It was pretty good. It was pretty nice, pretty warm. I went in and I sat and I listened to a speaker talk about how she ate. And I cried my eyes out the whole time because I couldn't believe somebody else. Nobody else ever told me how that they ate like I did. Of course, I didn't tell anybody how I ate, but nobody ever said that they ate until they were so full they, they felt sick or got sick or had to run to the bathroom for the runs or anything like that. Nobody said they ate bags of things and boxes of things and they ate in secret where nobody saw them. Hello, That's my, that was my disease. That is my disease, 95%. I was a, I was a secret compulsive overeater, very secret. I am married to my husband for almost 50 years. I know I'm, I know I don't look that old, but I am. And for 50 years, he, you know, he knew I was in a program and all that. But anytime I went back to the food and I relapsed many, many times, he never knew. But you don't eat much. You don't eat much. And I'd say, well, I don't know what it is. I don't know why I'm gaining weight, you know. So, so with that hopelessness, um, he goes on to, to say that, um, am I of the hopeless variety? Well, I thought so, because everything failed. And here are the things that failed. Of course, I tried to um, fad diets, magazine diets, diet books. That's I went 10 to, minutes. Oh, boy. Okay, Way and Pay, uh, Weight Watchers, Health Clubs. Here, here's the kicker. I eventually went to have a gastric bypass in 03 because I was at the end of the line. Well, let's talk about the allergy of that body. Not only was I allergic to food um, emotionally, but my body reacted in such a way that if I put one bite, and, and mostly for mine, it was sugar and, and white flour, one bite and I was gone because I couldn't, that was it. I was hopeless after that. The allergy kicked in. The allergy turned on an obsession of my mind, which Dr. Silthwell talks about at length in his letter. But there's just no other way then, and he mentions this early on in his letter, that this allergy and obsession can be cured, healed, recovered from without some kind of power greater than a doctor's power or any psychologist's doctor specialist, because he was a specialist in the field. But nobody, he said, he said nobody is going to heal or help these people unless they have a, some kind of power help them. And that's where I'm going to get off the boat as far as Dr. Silkworth, because 
That's the only thing that saved my life. The only thing was my higher power. This disease um, is a slow killer. You know, it kills us slowly. Um, you know, years, 40 years. And I, I just about got there. I just about got there. I'm gonna tell you real quick what happened, what got me here and what I've done since. A year ago, January 6th, I had three years of a very serious relapse. My disease progressed unbelievably. I never thought it would get to that. I started eating during the night. Okay, so I ate once, maybe during the night, then twice during the night as the time went on. And I started eating more and more. I also had five, I'm sorry, six major surgeries in five years. I was in a wheelchair for more than half of every year. So I thought, you know what? Hey, what else am I going to do? I, I, need, I didn't even know I was killing the pain because it didn't really kill the pain anymore. So ending, ending up that I was binging through the night. I was getting up many times during the night, baking, cooking, binging until I couldn't eat anymore. And then I literally couldn't eat anymore. My, my, physical, um, my physical digestive system broke down and I was having problems. And I couldn't stop. I put signs up on the door. I put signs up in the kitchen, kitchen closed. Don't go in there, stop. I couldn't do it. And I really, really wanted to stop. I, I, was, I, was, I wanted to die because I, I thought this was how my, the rest of my life was gonna be. I really did. I, I thought th this is the end, okay? You know, I, I couldn't connect with God anymore. I was so far from my higher power. I couldn't have gotten any farther. So one night I woke up, some of you know this part of my story. I woke, I woke up for the fourth time and went to the bathroom, washed my hands. I turned around, lost my balance and I fell. And I fell so hard that I broke my leg in three places. And truthfully, um, when I was laying on the floor in excruciating pain, I swear, today I swear, my higher power, I heard my higher power say to me, well, okay, Betty, now are you ready? How much worse do you want to get? And you know, I knew right then and there. I knew right then and there that was it. I knew that I had to raise the flag, white flag, throw my arms up in the in the in the room and say, I, I quit. I can't do this anymore. Now I didn't do that. There's no way. I couldn't. I couldn't do it for 40 years. Oh, bits and pieces of it, but I couldn't. So with that. Uh, a week later from my bed, uh, I called, I uh, listened to the birthday party the weekend and called uh, a gal that I had met a few years before to retreat and to be my sponsor. And that was the beginning of a total change for me, total in my thinking, my dependence on my higher power, my belief, my faith in a higher power. There's just was no other way. No way, I, no way in hell that I would, it was ever going to change for me. And I knew that. And I, I prayed. I had so many prayers, you know, all the days I was in relapse, you know, I listened to music. I tried everything, but you know, it's in, in God's time. It wasn't in my time. It was in God's time. Um, That's five minutes. Oh, thank you. So with that recovery has has not been it. Uh, it's simple, but it's not easy. I worked the 12 steps 
I immersed myself in this program, completely immersed myself. I had time. Thank you, God. I was on my back. I could, didn't go out for months. And so I was able, I was given the gift of the time, the willingness, and the energy, and, and just the hope. You know, CYOC gave me hope. Just gave me a lot of hope. All of the way gave me a lot of hope. I was open. I was finally open to it. And so a year later, last couple of weeks ago, January 6th, when I looked at being absent for one year, I thought, I don't really celebrate it. I celebrate my higher power. That's what I said on that day, because that's where it came from. I take no credit at all. I did the footwork. I do the footwork every day. I do the footwork every day. I work my program. I do this work the steps. I work all the steps. I, I use the tools to support the steps. And I have developed wonderful and am developing more and more wonderful relationships in this fellowship because I need help. I need help all the time. And if you need help, I'm there for you. Because that's what helps you and it helps me. So as hard as it was to do this tonight, I hope one thing I said helped somebody. I want to tell you one, two more things. I got a letter. I got a letter a little while ago. And it said, dear Betty, you will never have your way again. And as a result, you will be happy and free. Love, God. True. I don't get my way anymore. <laughs> I have two more pictures to show you real quick. And these are just something, you know, a little to show you. Okay. I threw in the towel. God threw it back at me and said, wipe your face. You're almost there. And I did. I wiped off my face and I started back in with a vengeance thoroughly and rigorously. And for me, no matter how I feel, I get up, I dress up, I show up, but now I never give up. And I, that's, that's what I give to you. New, been here a long time, whatever your story is, don't ever give up because God never gave up on me. Thank God I'm here. He never gave up on me. So my hearts go out to all of you, each and every one of you. I love each and every one of you. Whether I know you or not, I know you because we're compulsive overeaters. So keep coming back. Call me anytime. And with that, I pass. Thank you. With that, I pass. Yeah, Betty, thank you so much. That was fabulous. Really appreciated your share. Um, we will now open the meeting for questions or three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone, and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn in the Zoom host. Uh, will the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? Um, if the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. 
I will now call hands. Let's see here. Um, um, Ann L. Hi, my name is Ann. I am a compulsive overeater, gratefully recovered. Thank you so much, Betty. You did a great job with the doctor's opinion. And um, I love the doctor's opinion because for me, it it, ha- it says everything. You know, it's got the, the allergy, it's got the, the mental twist, and it's got the spiritual lifesaver um, if I choose to grab a hold of it. And um, I really liked how you broke it down and, and shared all the different parts of it. And, um, you know, for me, I, um, I had so much fear when I came in that I, I couldn't grab a hold of anything. <laughs> But, you know, after I hung around for a little while um, and um, it took me a few months when finally my sponsor said to me, you have to talk at the meetings because <laughs> I hadn't been talking at all. So I said, oh, the first time I went to the first meeting, I said, my sponsor made me say this, um, that I had to talk. And that was all I said. And then eventually I got to talking more and I'm grateful for that. I'm always grateful for um, all the suggestions that I got from sponsors along the way. And, and um, it's good to be back at this meeting today. It fit into my schedule tonight and I'm, I'm really happy that I made it here and I got to hear your story, Betty, and see a lot of familiar faces. And that's all I have. Thank you very much. Oh, that's me. I'm <laughs> sorry. Please share. I'm Tina, compulsive overeater. I don't know if I'm going to be able to say this, but I've known you for a long time. And I just have seen such a change in you. And it changed me. And I came back. And I just want you to know that, I mean, telling your story, anybody telling their story just makes such a huge difference but really just watching you Betty been totally amazing and I just I'm so grateful and grateful for this meeting I'm grateful that you told me about it and I just love you pieces always always thanks Tina uh Nancy P you're up hi Nancy P with Kevin Westman Massachusetts um I love the doctor's opinion. Um, In particular, I like the, um, my, what I now describe to my sponsees is alcoholic of a type I had come to regard as hopeless. I had never been typed before. I don't, you know, like I think of it as like blood. And if I, I don't know anything about blood, but if I try to take somebody else's blood that doesn't, isn't the same type as me, I could get sick or die from that. So when I try to use a, a solution that's not the solution described in this book, the same thing will happen. At, at best, it just won't work and I'm left eating and crying. Um, but what has always happened is I got sicker and sicker and I never got better. And the other thing that I like about this is um, the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. And the seething cauldron of debate is that abstinence will take care of the problem, but it doesn't because the obsession remains. So I'm a firm believer that the problem that I have 
pretty much resides in my mind. I mean, um, really nowhere else. And the other thing that I like about the doctor's opinion is that I get to decide all of this for myself. Nobody can tell me. All I have to do is find somebody who has what I want, ask them how they achieved it, tell, have them you know, work. They're not my boss, they're not my mother. My actual sponsor that I work the steps with isn't even my friend, nor would I pick her for a friend. Um, but she was a kick-ass sponsor and she knew the book. And um, that's what I was interested in. I wanted to get better and I didn't care how I did it. I would have done anything. And I was, I'll wrap up with this. I, I made a phone call today, you know, randomly to a newcomer. And um, she said that she didn't, you know, she was working with somebody that said that she had to do this, that, and the other. And I said, yeah, I could never do any of that. <laughs> like I would rather flay my own skin off. I said, so I don't want to give you advice, but you know, the book says that we get rid of stuff, the ease with which we check out old ideas that don't work in favor of new ideas that do. And I said, this isn't actually advice, it's my own personal experience, but try doing something that will work for you and you'll be surprised at what happens. And then I described all the unbelievable things that, I, that have happened to me. I haven't hurt myself with food in over five years after 47 years of trying. So for 47 years, I get zip. And then for five years, I get everything. Um, I'm happy, joyous, and free. I help other people. I practice the principles. I comprehend the word serenity and I know peace. Check, 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 check. So um, anybody that's um, struggling or doesn't know or whatever, anybody on this law, anybody in this meeting would love to take your phone call starting with me. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Nancy. Um, Jim H., you're up next. Hey, everyone. I'm Jim. I'm a compulsive overeater. Good to uh, be with you all. Um, yeah, I guess uh, a couple of things on my mind, but just really appreciate your share, Betty. Um, and yeah, I, I guess um, what kind of sustained your relationship through all the ups and downs with like relapse and coming back to recovery and relapse and coming back? So, I, you know, I just moved in with my partner and I mean, overall life is great, but I'm still having some relapses and I, I don't know, I'm just curious how you and your husband worked it through all those years. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for the question. That is a great question. And, you know, I ask myself that all the time. How did he do it? I mean, really, how, you know. I used to ask him early on after we got married, why do you love me? I didn't love myself. So I'd say, why do you love me? And say, oh, come on. Wow. I did not know what love was. That was the problem. He did. Somehow he did. And over the years, he saw me struggle. He saw it through my weight because my weight went up and down. And, you know, I think, I think that, God spoke through him, even though I hid from him. I was so afraid he was going to shame or criticize. He never did that. Never did that. But, you know, uh, I think that there was a deep, deep love that, that gave me the strength and hope and sometimes faith to go on. I wanted it really bad. I had a family. I wanted to be a good person. I wanted to be healthy. I wanted to be a good mom. I wanted to be a good 
wife. I wanted to be a good teacher. I wanted to do everything really well. And so I overcompensated a lot. And but see, he didn't know the half of it. So I think I think there was a deep, deep love. I think that's the only thing that could ever have done it. Um, I would have hoped it if we were the other way around, I would have done the same thing. I don't know. It's a tough road. It's a tough road to live with a compulsive overeater because you never know who's going to show up. You never know. So I, uh, Jim, I'm sorry, I don't have an answer, but that's the, the best I can say for my relationship. Thank God. Miracle, another miracle. <laughs> Thanks, Betty and Jim. Um, Amy B, you're up next. Thank you so much, Amy B, compulsive overeater, living very gratefully in a recovered state with the food for today. Um, thank you so much to Melissa and Yvonne for your service. Thank you, everybody else doing service at this meeting. Thank you, Betty S. Um, principles first. Doctor's opinion. Doctor's opinion. Um, love this chapter. As everyone has said before, um, I, I found... I found so many answers, so many things that made sense in this chapter. I mean, it coming down to the pa the paragraph from the bottom of XXVIII to the top of XXIX, men and women men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by their substance. Um, I like what is killing me. Um, it's so elusive that while I admit it's injurious, I cannot after a time differentiate the true from the false. I can't get it anywhere else. It's so elusive. I can't get it from anywhere else. And even though I know it's killing me, I can't imagine a life where I can live without it. That's not being able to differentiate the true from the false. To me, my addict's life, my my crazy life seems the only normal one. I'm rest. And here's the cycle. Here it is. I'm restless, irritable, and discontent unless I can again experience the sense of ease and comfort, not actual ease and comfort by the by, just like the sense of it, um, which comes at once by taking uh, just one bite of my substance, which others can take with impunity. And after I have succumbed to the desire again, the phenomenon of craving develops. And then I well-known stages of a spree, remorseful, emerging, saying I'm never going to do it again. And then back in the cycle again, restless, irritable, and discontent. And I need an entire psychic change or there's very little hope of my recovery. With apologies for the little bit of crosstalk here, an entire psychic change. Someone shared earlier about our speaker tonight. Seeing you change, it changed me. And I came back. The entire psychic change, we don't know what it's going to look like. We can't imagine how it's going to change our lives. But when it does, makes miracles, makes magic, spiritual and altruistic, this program. That's what it says here in this chapter in this book. And just one more thing. Somebody else mentioned the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. And the thing I connect to so deeply in that sentence is that, and I, that's my time, I'll wrap up. Um, entire abstinence is relief. It's not punishment. It's not a prison. 
it's relief. And that has truly been my experience. Thank you so much for, uh, for uh, your share, Betty. And uh, thanks everybody for being here. I love you. Goodbye. <laughs> thanks, Amy B. Stacy F., you're up next. Hi, thank you. I'm Stacy. I'm a recovering compulsive reader. Um, I don't talk often in meetings. I'm very uncomfortable talking, but um, I really, I, I, I'm getting out of that comfort zone. Betty, thank you so much. Um, I love hearing everybody in these rooms. Um, I really do. I was in program for a very long time that I left and I came back three years ago. And it's just um, by the end of the holidays of this year that I finally really like wave that white flag. Like I finally completely ran out of ideas. And um, I've been abstinent since January 1st. And I turn over my food the night before, which I never thought I would do. And I'm just, you know, I'm following all the um, suggestions. And by some miracle, I, I am free of the obsession of food today. I, I am. But um, that's just the very beginning. I just went to a friend's house I go to every year. This is the first time in like 20 years I did not overeat with these friends. So that was just miraculous. But I'm very aware of my thinking. It's better. The jealousy, the comparison, it's better. Um, but I, I want that psychic change that I hear you guys talk about. Like, I want that. I want that more than I, more than I want peace with the food. Um, that's what I really, really want. So, um, I'm just listening to other people and you say it happens for you. And, um, I'm cautiously optimistic, <laughs> you know, and I'm just going to keep trudging along and listening and I'm going to start sharing more. And, um, thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks, Stacy. Um, do we still have two more minutes, Amy B, before we pause? You don't know. I just keep going. Okay. We have 